You are listening to BBC Radio 4. Welcome to your guide to European football. Hello, I'm Nigel Thornton Cuffey, your host. And uh, we have the latest and greatest and big name guests and leading football writers from The Times, The Guardians, providing expert analysis and top class punditry. Here alongside me on the panel, I am delighted to welcome Sarah Jones to the panel, local football operations director from FIFA. Welcome, Sarah. How are you? Hello. Thank you, Nigel. I'm great. Excited to be here. I love the new approach that FIFA executives have developed, this familiarity that they've developed with people from, uh, that they haven't spoken with. Nigel is not something that... Uh, I haven't heard Nigel very much since uh, I was a footballer back in the late 80s. Oh, well, I heard all about you. I mean, obviously, I wasn't alive in the late 80s, but my parents always talked about you growing up. Uh, and, you know, Nigel was a household name. So I just became familiar with that term. That's wonderful. Were your parents uh, Barton Rovers fans? They were. They were. Yeah. Not many people are, but they were. Not <laughs> to, to the audience members, because we have a lot of um, English fans here, Sarah Jones, but many fans of Manchester United, of yeah. Arsenal, of Chelsea, of the big English clubs. Barton Rovers, a small, small club in Hertfordshire, where uh, I played 15 years, and um, and it's very surprising. It's I'm I'm so delighted that someone recognizes my exploits, and that someone happens to be a big person at FIFA. Yes, well, you know, having grown up in Hertfordshire, um, my you know my my parents always went to go and see the Barton Rovers uh, every Sunday. Actually, when they used to have the games on, although unfortunately, as we all know, the club has since closed down due to the rat infestation. Um, very unfortunate. But, again, was a really precious childhood memory of mine. Well, thank you for uh, reviving certain memories, unpleasant as they may be. Uh, it's good to sometimes go back to the past to appreciate the future. And I do expect, actually, um, a, a, a rejuvenation, not only of the club, but of the of the county, you know, Hertfordshire is one of the poorest, most impoverished um, regions of Britain. It's still undergoing the, the effects of a Thatcherite uh, 80s. But um, one thing that I, 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 before we press on further with our next guest, uh, Sarah, um, you mentioned that your parents were big fans of Barton Rovers. As many of you know, perhaps the most uh, infamous moment of my career was that uh, penalty kick miss in the 1989 mm. League Cup semi-final um, against Ipswich Town and um, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I haven't been I, I'm, I'm are you choking I'm crying, up? I'm no. choking up it, um, I haven't been able to go back to Hertfordshire for, for even a pint I'm not invited into the mm. city anymore it was yeah. We're so close you know, to, to glory and to have glory snatched away in the 88th minute just because you slipped a little bit and um, 
hit the penalty into the stands? Well, a little bit. I mean, we all know that it was a rather large slip, Nigel. But um, I mean, I didn't want to bring this up. Um, you know, having they having been me born. A twat. Yes, yeah. Having been born in 1990, you know, I wasn't alive in the 1989 uh, kickoff penalty miss against Ipswich when uh, that match went down. But you know, and I know that you know you still have signs of the doors with your face with a cross through it and, and, you know, darts thrown out in the pub that you are kind of the image that people use. Um, I didn't want to bring that up. I didn't actually tell my parents I was coming on this today because even though they are huge Barton Rivers fans, I don't know how they'd feel about me talking with you. But, I you know, I'm ready to let water under the bridge, talk about the game, you know. I think, I think you know, one day people might forgive you. Well, um Yes, and, and, and maybe, you know, it's, it's sometimes best to leave things in the past, quite simply. Um, that was back in 1989. I feel like I've uh, developed not only as a footballer, but also as a man. I'm a family man now. And, um, you know, perhaps we can just press on with our next guest, who is not only emblematic of a wonderful present that we have now, but a great future, a future where... Where, um, where I think football will become much more accessible not only to, to, to everyone, but especially women, and uh, which is one of the latest initiatives of FIFA, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, Sarah. That, uh, yes, it is, yeah. There's a lot more money going into the women's game mm-hmm. internationally. Yeah. We're putting in every, $1 for every $2 we're putting in for the men's matches. That's, that's wonderful. And, and perhaps here to... Um, Tell us a little bit about not only her experience as a woman playing football, but also her um, her interest in the European Championships. The captain of the women's Canada national team, Cindy Blasthole. Cindy. Hi. Hello. Hey, Nigel. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hi. How are you guys doing? I'm doing Good. quite well. I see it's very sunny in the training uh, center you're in. It is. It's fantastic. You know, I came over to Ipswich for a little while to uh, to train. Um, you know, it's it's been fantastic being surrounded by all these talented people. And yeah, I think it's my favorite place in the world, favorite team in the world. Sunny in Ipswich in northern England. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic here. The whole team is here. I mean, I also, Sarah, you look absolutely fantastic. I have been waiting so long to talk to you. I have had the biggest crush on you for so long. Oh, crush on so a, lovely to hear. Crush on a FIFA football executive? <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, I, I'm just really happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, I, um, I, I apologize for my uh, questioning behavior. I'm actually delighted to have you here, Cindy. You're one of the biggest stars of the women's national game, and, and um, you surely must be very excited for the 2023 Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, I, I have never been to Australia before, and I'm so excited to go. You know, I think everybody on the team feels super lucky that we finally have this opportunity, and you know, you guys were just talking about, you know, they're making an issue to allow women into FIFA, and we couldn't have made that happen without you, Sarah. Oh, well, you're welcome. And, you know, uh, Cindy, I appreciate everything you said, and also a huge fan of yours, actually. And, you know, in Hertfordshire, we welcome you. There are actually posters of you in all the pubs 
without crosses on them. They actually have big smiley faces. So anytime, anytime you want to come by. Really? Yeah, oh, that's so yeah. Nice to hear. That's so nice to hear. Yeah. Now, Cindy, for perhaps some of our uh, international listeners who are uh, unfamiliar with uh, the women's national game, could you perhaps explain your position in football and um, and some of your greatest strengths? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a right winger, so I I'm really good at um, you know when it, when I was growing up, my mom really taught me to run super fast. So my my <laughs> Oh, you, you choking I'm so up? choking up. So emotional. So, yeah, no, I just, I really focus on being agile so I could get around players on the field. Um, you know, I could run faster than my brother. I could run faster than my father. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whenever I kicked that ball, holy shit, it would just go so goddamn fast. And that's really what gave me an edge into getting into the sport. Like, honestly, like, I'm just so goddamn strong. And um, we, we do, we would like to apologize to some of our listeners in Britain for some of that language. Um, Cindy, uh, however, I'm, I'm so uh, enthralled by your enthusiasm. Um, you know, I was a footballer myself back in the, in the 80s and 90s in, in, the, uh, in the championship and in League One, which is a little bit different. It's a bit of a different level in, in, in England. And, of course, uh, the, the training centers and stand, the standards were quite low. Um, you do have to think that back in the 80s in Britain, um, everywhere in the United Kingdom, uh, I- I- hooliganism was rampant. You know, you would have to run to the, to the actual training center with your life. And then when you would train, you would have to make sure you do so with a bulletproof vest. Um, maybe you hide your face in a Tesco bag. That way others wouldn't recognize you. They would think, uh, oh, maybe you're just a vagrant instead of um, a footballer. And um, it's, I'm so glad that sport has changed in 2020. Yeah, I did not have that experience uh, living in Calgary, Alberta. I, you know, we, we often went to the nearest metro uh, and got our bags of chips and went home. My mom would take me to practice. Um, really sad to hear that was your experience. Did you also find the same, Sarah? Oh, uh, well... No, I I didn't. Well, it kind of depended. I mean, on the location we found, which is kind of partly what my job is, because I'm a director of local football operations. So I really look at what goes on in the local area. And there were a few pockets in England that do still have that, where footballers have to hide behind bins and hide uh, in parking lots. Mm. Um, so we have been working really hard to like eradicate that. But I'm really proud to say that we've reached our target of 85% of cities in the UK that no longer treat footballers that way. Wow. You know, it, it, yeah. it reminds me of the, the tragic story of my friend um, uh, Roger Palmer, who was oh. a, a left-winger for um, Accrington Stanley. And, um, you know, he missed three penalties in one... Mm. He missed three penalties in one game against Millwall. And... Um, he had to change his name and assume a completely different identity. Yeah. Um, which, it's you know, a, it's you go, an you important go... game. It's a tragedy. Yeah. But anyway, take it very seriously. Yeah. And, and someone who takes it incredibly seriously is myself. I am a big football fanatic. 
and I'm delighted and excited for the English national team. Congratulations, everyone. We've won. We've beaten Croatia 1-0. I wanted to know if uh, either of you had any thoughts on the match, uh, any things you'd like to say uh, regarding the match, regarding mm. the England's national men's team. Yeah. Uh, do you want to start, uh, Cindy? Yeah, I, you know, I thought that Croatia was going to be the biggest contender this year. So to see England uh, beat them out, I really feel like we've got a good chance now, the Canadian yeah. team. Why, why were you under oh. the assumption that Croatia was the uh, main uh, champ, the, the champion elect? Because they won the last one. Oh, that, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> and, you know, back to back is, is very, very easy these days. That's, that's a pattern that we're noticing in the top level of game. It's always the same teams that are winning all the championships year after year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, being English myself, uh, England are my number one team on my list of, of teams that I want to win the, the <laughs> cup. Um, well, can, can, I have the rest of that, can I have the rest of that list, Sarah? Uh, yeah, so it would be England, um, followed by mm-hmm. maybe it's a little bit controversial, but France, because I know often there's a rift between England and France, but I would put them as my personal second because I really like the country and I really like the cheese and the wine that they they sell there. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it would be Portugal. Um, then it would be um, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and then Finland. That's the order of the list. But anyway, list aside, um, you know, I was really proud to see them fall through. Um, I also was really happy to see, as I said, I'm the local football operations. I work in that. I was really happy to see the grass was well cut. Uh, You know, Mm. it was was perfect conditions for the footballers. But the one thing that obviously was a little bit kind of shaky was that poor... um, you know, punter that fell into the crowd, fell fell off, Absolutely. fell off the stands into the crowd, and you know this is a real problem. Actually, we've been having since people have returned from um, from the COVID times. Um, people are getting what I like to call football mania, when mm. they get a little bit mm. overexcited. That you know they used to get super excited, but now they're getting like dangerously excited being back in the stands, and yeah. I think that's why that person, you know fell tragically off off the stands um so that yeah. did put a bit of a damper in my day i have to say i've been experiencing that a lot now like when mm-hmm. i go around to the kids clubs i find that whenever i'm walking you know just into do into do some coaching you, you know i do some it's it's really it's really fantastic actually like i go in there and like i just got punched right in the stomach by a 12 year old boy last time i went to I got punched you in the see, stomach by this 12-year-old boy who screamed out, I can't believe it's you. Yeah. And it's painful, but, yeah. it was, but it was like, it was coming from a place where he wasn't quite socialized, I think, enough to know mm. what was appropriate. He spent, you know, I guess his grade five and six being at home during COVID. And yeah. 
You see, yeah. this is kind of the, an issue that we're now dealing with. So as Nige talked about earlier, you know, back before in the past, it used to be really dangerous to be a footballer because, you mm-hmm. you know, you could get attacked and killed for being one because they were angry. But now we're kind of moving towards a place where you could actually be in danger because people are happy to see you. So really, it's a fine balance of making sure people are kind of excited about football, but not too excited and not too passionate about the sport. Yeah, and sometimes they don't realize it's inappropriate that, like, you yeah. know, sometimes when you're playing with your buddies, you go and you, you give a couple, like, mm. you know, the one-two, check up the deuces, give yeah. a little pat on the shoulder, but then they take it a little bit too far, you know? I mean, yeah. They don't realize that you're actually hurting someone, so... Well, they've got really um, strong now, the kids. Yeah, they assume that I'm that I'm extremely, um, you know, well-protected by my abdomen, and, and I'm not. Um, you know, we're just fast. Yes, and... Um... You know, I, w- one thing that I've also noticed in the youth game is that, much like in the men's uh, game, it has uh, developed a um, proliferation of, of uh, physical enhancement, PEDs, as what we call them in, in sports. So maybe that little boy who punched you in the abdomen was, you know, riddled with steroids. Yeah. It's a real issue, you know, they're, they're dealing them in the schools these days. They're, like, trading them like candy. Yeah. Really? Mm. Yeah, Boris has opened up a, a task team to tackle this specific issue, actually. It was announced today in, in the press. Wow, I actually had not heard of this. So this is being taken on by the UK administration. And what age <laughs> range are they targeting? Uh, five to twelve. Only 5 to 12. Anyone yeah. younger or older is exempt and uh, free to take these drugs, it would seem. You know, I've never seen a doped five-year-old. No. Well, you're, you might now that you're in England. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, 12, it's up to 12 because once they get to 13, they don't have the urge to take steroids anymore. Well, yeah, that's horrible. I almost <laughs> took steroids once in my career. I was really worried about being able to make a long kick. A long kick. Yeah. Yeah, like those are notoriously tricky. Yeah, when you have to kick it long. Well, well, speaking of England, do you believe, uh, Sarah, that it's coming home? Do you know what, Nigel? That would be the best thing at the end of this year. You know, it's been an awful year. People have missed out on a year and a half of football to come for it to coming home. I, I, I'm going to say right here, you heard it from me first, 99%. And you, Cindy, do you believe that the uh, European Cup is coming home? It's coming home to Canada, let me tell you. <laughs> well, is, is Canada taking part in the European uh, Championship? It's fair to say no. I think she's just, just being a little bit cheeky there, Sarah. But... Um, um. Anyways, uh, that's good. I, I do believe that I, I, I truly see quite a lot of potential in this team. There's a lot of very, very talented young players. There's a lot of very, very experienced older heads at the back. Uh, you know, if they can shut the door and, uh, and, and create chances for, for the young bucks up front, um, I think we can see some very, very wonderful attacking football. And um, hopefully it can yield results. And um, Nige, um, I heard on the grapevine that uh, you've actually been uh, you've actually been helping out with a bit of side coaching with the England team. 
Which is a little bit controversial, seeing as you did really F up that match back in 1989. But, you know, everyone's second chances and all that. You you must have heard that about a year ago, because I that was true. I was I did have a brief. Um, it wasn't a contract. It was more like a a work for hire position mm-hmm. where you 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 sort of you show up for a week. It's a trial, actually. We call yeah. it a trial. You show up for a week. You show what you can do coaching wise. Um, they give you a lad or two. Uh, they say you know. Try to teach them how to pass the ball, and after a week, if they can pass the ball a little better, maybe they give you a second week. I was... hang on. So, was was that what you might call a zero contract hours uh, contract? Because you know FIFA's been working really hard to stamp those out, uh, and it sounds a little bit like they may have been uh, violating a few of the codes of FIFA. Uh, they said that they provided me. They provided me a stipend, which is an amount of okay. money which is so low that is not. It cannot be considered a salary. But um, so it was a weekly trial stipend uh, sort of deal, and upon which, at the end, they told me to uh, uh, unceremoniously. I was brought into the office of Ian Cummings and Alan Bailey, and uh, they told me unceremoniously to piss off. Um, uh, I told you to pack it in. Pack it in. Pack yeah. it in, mate. Yeah. Not going to happen mm. here. And yeah. um, But actually now I'm, I'm speaking to you from uh, rainy, grey Montreal. Um, and I do have a trial with Montreal Club de Foot here. Um, oh, wow. So we'll see. Uh, it's two weeks. I'll be training with some of the lads, uh, working on zonal marking, man marking, uh, crossing. Passing from deep, passing from shallow, mm. everything, the whole Good. lot. Well, I'm happy for you, Nige. Well, Sarah, I mean, um, I I really wanted to have you here to for you to maybe talk a little bit about what you're doing regarding FIFA's initiative to bring people back to the stadiums. This has been yes. certainly the biggest news story for fans across Europe. Uh, who have not been able to attend either club or international football for about a, for over a year now due to COVID-19. Yeah. It's finally happening with the European Championships. And uh, I wanted to know if you could maybe share your thoughts and feelings regarding the entire process. Yeah, so obviously, well, as I said, so uh, I do local football operations. So we look at each stadium individually. Now that's something that we do on a normal basis, right? As I said, we like check the grass level, we check the the humidity, we check the wetness of the grass, lots of different things that we, we verify for, for optimal football performance. But on top of that, I kind of alluded to it a little bit before when I mentioned this kind of new craze of football mania. And that really is our main concern at the moment because, you know, everyone's kind of used to the COVID restrictions. Everyone knows how to deal with that. They know about social distancing. They know about masks. We don't have to worry about that. People know they get that. The problem is because they've been inside for so long and they've had nowhere to channel that energy. It's all been built up inside. And you put those people in a stand, mm. right? You know how passionate they get anyway if, if their team's winning, if their team's losing, God forbid. Now, imagine that and add on the fact that they've not had anywhere to go for the last year. They haven't been able to let go of that energy. Oh my God, it's a it's a ticket for disaster. So we're actually doing tests uh, as people enter the stadium. 
uh, we're showing them a football mm-hmm. and we're, we're checking the the dilation of their eyes. Like a Rorschach and... test, like one of those, what what do you see here, but but it look it resembles a football? <laughs> yeah, exactly, but it's actually a football. Uh, we put actual football in front of them and we, we test how dilated the eyes get. And if they get really big, that indicates an overpassion for the sport. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, they've got to go to stage two of the tests. And if not, they're free to, free to go. They can go and watch the, watch the sport. Now, stage two... Uh, what we do um, is we we pop the football in front of them and see how they react. Now, if you, they're like, oh, hmm? you see how they react? Yeah, we pop the football, you know, because it's like it, it's, the football is a representation of the sport they love, of what they're going to see, what they're going to do, mm-hmm. and we pop it, mm-hmm. and they see that burst in front of them, mm-hmm. and we see how they react, right? So, like, you know, some people that they cry, they sob. Um, other people just sit and stare. Can I please interrupt for just one second? Yes. <clears throat> yeah, so one issue that I have with the new methodology that FIFA's taking on with the uh, ball popping, first off, <laughs> the isolation period is horrific. Secondly, the reason that many people start uh, crying and sobbing is because that pop sounds an awful lot like a gun. And that's happening multiple times throughout the day. And people don't understand why they're being tested. They don't know that it's about football mania. And all they hear is a big pop and they drop mm-hmm. to their knees. So I think that that's actually wildly unethical. Um, and as much as I love you, Sarah, that's something I've got a huge issue with. Do you know what? That is actually something I hadn't thought of. Um, the fact that it sounds like a gun. That would explain, <laughs> that would explain the, uh, the riots that we had uh, last weekend. Actually, yeah. Well, well, Sarah, I do think it's a very interesting... Um, I find it very interesting how FIFA is trying to introduce sort of weird psychological experimentation initiatives into football. Um, yeah. You know, as someone who has been a footballer their entire life and now a pundit... I feel that I'm unqualified to really speak on the efficacy of these training techniques. But um, I'm very, very interested in your uh, personal experience, Cindy. My personal experience with the ball popping? (laughs) Yes. Part of my training initiative earlier this year, uh, in order, it's kind of like a hazing period uh, with the Canadian team. Uh, you actually have to do 48 hours of community service, uh, mm-hmm. and they consider the ball popping to be community service. So, you know, it's this kind of weird psychological fuckery. Oh my god, I'm so sorry, my language uh, for all the listeners. Where you you're standing there with a ball, and a lot of these fans come in and they think that they're like, "Wow, this... they knew I was the the captain of the Canadian soccer team." Uh, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I'm aggressively holding this ball to their face and popping it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's changed the perceptions of a lot of fans. And I, 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 I kind of think that it's done more harm than it has good uh, since it's been released. I've seen a lot of people harmed here in, uh, in Ipswich. And I got to say, I, I, don't, I don't hear the same way I used to. Right? I, don't, I can't hear the same. <laughs> and has that created any sort of difficulties when you're playing football with... Um... Perhaps if a coach is trying to shout uh, um, instructions to you in the middle of a game. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's it's hard when you're trying to balance. Like, a lot of your balance does come from inside your ears, and I just can't hit those long kicks the way I used to. So am I right in understanding that you were actually popping, you were actually at the front line popping balls in the punters' faces? Yeah, as per your rules. Well, I would love to sit down with you after this and pick your brain just to get more kind of details yeah, about just, that. Just to be clear, I've been a fan of yours for for ages, Sarah. This does yeah. not affect um, my opinion of you or the feelings that I get when I see you. I just want you to know that um, it's something I disagree with. And I have an assertive personality. So. And I really respect that. Um, and Cindy... One question, if we can just uh, step aside for a quick second. One question that uh, I've been meaning to ask you as a footballer playing in 2020, 2021, um, how is it like being an athlete and dealing with social media in the modern age? When I was a footballer in the 1980s and the 1990s, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter, there was no YouTube video showing every single time I misplaced a pass, um, showing every single time I accidentally kicked the ball in one of my teammates' faces. It was an accident, um, but it looks very stupid on video. I understand. Um, how do you deal with the, the haters, with the, with the trolls, with uh, the issues that uh, sometimes may arise in social media? That is a great question. And I've actually been doing an Instagram cleanse as of late. Uh, Instagram cleanse, Facebook cleanse, Tinder cleanse. I just need to stay off of all of those apps because there's so many trolls. Um, the moment I deleted my account, my, my name handle got snatched up by another person and they're pretending to be me. You know, I take on meditation. I think about that a lot. It's, it, you just can't avoid people wanting to tear you down how are they pretending to um, be you exactly they're using my name and, and photos that are out there of me on the internet um photoshopping my face uh one one actually we found out was a was an image my face was crafted on a rowan atkinson mm -hmm. that was that was tough everybody was you know I think I saw that one. I think I saw that one. Yeah, with the yeah. with the the Christmas turkey. Yeah, with the Christmas turkey on my hand. Mm. It was not my hand. It's Rowan Atkinson's hand. Um. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I I had enough of that, and I just focus on the ball now. The game. Well, that's Focus on the game. Um, and uh, how about you, Sarah? Now, as a FIFA executive, I'm sure there are many people who write to you saying uh, you don't know what you're on about. Um, you're taking the piss with these new rules. Um, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm, not, mm. I'm not quite sure. How do you deal with it as a woman working in FIFA? Yeah, you know, it's a really good question, Nige. Um, so as you all know, um, it's mandatory for all FIFA employees to have social media. Um, we can't mandatory. deactivate it. <laughs> yeah, it's mandatory to help with the brand. Um, so we all have to have social media, which does mean, you know, people, it's a public profile. Um, and it means that we're always getting DMs. Um, often, as you said, with people 
saying they disagreed with this or disagreed with that. Um, yes. So yeah, I get you know, thousands of messages a day, and uh, sometimes people send me memes. Um, that can be quite fun actually, because then you they don't always say anything with the meme; they just send memes, mm-hmm. and you just try and figure out like what it is they're referring to. Um, but you know, yeah, it's a hard world. It's a hard world to be in, uh, especially when you're glued to your phone twenty four seven. And actually, uh, Cindy, I, I did try to reply. Actually, I remember now, but you it said you you didn't have an account anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I remembered. Actually, this morning I tried to message you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I deleted it five days ago. Okay. Well, yeah. and, and well, you know, oh you, well. you deleted it, Cindy, because your your absolute devotion to mm-hmm. the sport and to being the absolute best, to be at the top, top, top of your game is absolute. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's something I really admire. I mean, I never got past League One football in England with Barton Rovers. Um, I missed that penalty in the League Cup semi-final, I know, but... I had a few good moments. I, I, I scored one goal uh, in the 1984 season in England. Um, I was also a mascot for Barton Rovers. It was great. I was getting two paychecks uh, for one and a half seasons, not only as a footballer, but also as a mascot. I remember you used to actually play some of the matches dressed up as a mascot. Well, you know, it was a, a contractual thing. I got a bonus <laughs> that way. And, um, and I, I, you know, I, I was a bit of a lad. I, I like to have a bit of a laugh. I like to have a bit of a pint. I like to have a bit of a, of a pie. And um, I just wanted to know, Cindy, what does it take to really make it to the top, top, top? Of football determination and calf raises determination and tax raises calf raise. <laughs> determination and calf raises nige calf raises the exercise it's part of the training regimen if i had not done my calf raises for the last 20 years i would not be able to make those kicks is this a new football expression in, in North America? No. Phrases. No, this is a age-old gym workout move where you stand on your tippy toes and you bring yourself up and down. You hold different weights and it's to strengthen your calves. Oh. Mm. Clearly, Nigel and I have never worked out before. <laughs> well, I have. I have worked out plenty of times. I just haven't done calf raises. Um, you know, working out in England in the 80s were different, you know. Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister. You weren't allowed to go to any kind of gymnasium unless you had the appropriate um, documentation. It was quite difficult back then. So a lot of the training was down at the pub. Darts. Mm. Uh, um, you know, fights, physical altercations, <laughs> things like that to increase physical strength, um, endurance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can do yeah. a lot of that in Canada, but uh, I've seen it. 
So calf raises and determination, nothing else. There, there's nothing else. So I, oh. I really thought you said like maybe catchphrases, and then I was going to ask you for some of them. You know, I just really wanted to know what some of your catchphrases were that got you. My favorite, uh, my favorite catchphrase is uh, "just do it." Just do it. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Inspirational. Very inspirational. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually a spokesperson for Nike. So. Oh. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, um, regarding your new contract with Nike, how's that like working with Nike, working with Coca-Cola, working with Samsung, working with Citroen, working with um, Lavazza, working with all these great companies who want to uh, just... How's that like? I, I, I've never worked with any in any sort of marketing commercial yeah i mean you see it when you're growing up you know just do it commercials coca-cola kendall jenner and the and the commercials you know what i mean and then you're like well when will i get there and uh it kind of comes and it's not actually as fulfilling as you think it will be it just kind of happens slowly uh and it's hard to think you know i'm the person on that billboard uh it doesn't mean a lot but you are you are that person on that billboard and as i said People take that image and put it in all the pubs in Hertfordshire, you know, to look at yeah, and having and I, a pint. I'm so grateful for that. But I feel like, you know, you think it's going to just, like, make your heart, and it, and it doesn't when you really get there. Um, and what really matters is, is making sure that soccer is accessible to everyone, women included. You've been doing that, Sarah. Yes, I have. Yes. Now, um, you're not the only person on that billboard. There's also you and the... Uh, coach of the Canadian women's national team, Miss Sandra Davis, who, according to reports, you're, you don't get on very well with. Um, any, ru any substantial, can you substantiate these rumors or is it just a well, rag talk? I, she is doing what she can do with what she has and I feel like she deserves respect in the media and I would never want to slag her off um, on a national uh, broadcast. I respect that. That's very, uh, very professional. However, she did oh. <laughs> ask me one time whether or not I made the first draft because I had hooked up with another female all-star player and that was an absolute lie uh that's the only thing i will tell you other than that you know we got past that we're in a good place now mm -hmm. um that's you know she's great oh terrific and that has not um uh resulted in perhaps your um increase of uh, yellow cards that you've accumulated over the past season perhaps you know, people are going to speculate, uh, Nige, but I, uh, I can't say for sure. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> Do you know, actually, uh, I just want to jump in there, Nige, if that's all right. Please. Um, now this, I mean, I shouldn't really be saying this on the air. Um, so maybe if we could, uh, take it off air for a minute. Um, but actually, uh, Cindy, we have actually been looking into the accusations uh i personally took on this case because you know i really respect you as a player and i think the way that 
the coach has been treating you and accusing you of these things is just unacceptable. Uh, and it's part of our uh, mandate as promoting you know, the women's team is to look into every accusation that comes across our desk. I take it seriously. Uh, and uh, all I can say is uh, heads are going to roll. That's all I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, I, uh, I really appreciate that, Sarah. You know, I think that my past is tainted by, you know, the 5 a.m. nights I would spend at a lot of the clubs uh, around Montreal. You know, I get up to a lot of stuff, go home with a lot of people. There's a lot of people I don't remember who have a lot of stories about me. I'll mm. say that. Um, however, I gave up that lifestyle five years ago. And uh, I'm clean. I'm clean as a whistle. Um, yep. Honestly, I've never been cleaner. And I think that that pass is still following me. And someone, you know, like the coach, just wants to see the team filled with the purest of the pure. And I'm there now, but she just doesn't want to accept it yet. Mm-hmm. No, we are. We're looking into it. And uh, yeah, FIFA takes this very seriously. As we all, as we all should. As I believe we all should. Fantastic. And um, one one thing that I'd, I'd also I'd also like to go through is um, you know England again. Let's go back to England. They're Are we flying. on the air? We're on the air. Oh, are we back? Are we back on the air? Oh wait, did we never leave the air? Oh we, shit. We were on. <laughs> well, listen, that was off the record. Off, off the record. It, it's that was off the record. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Um, one of the things no that. One. No one what? So no one's gonna gonna listen to that part, are they? Or or any of this? Is this live? Is this live? This is all live. This is all live. Oh, hi, mom. (laughs) Moving forward, um, one thing that uh, England will be one thing. England will be playing against Austria and North Macedonia next week. Mm. In the same match. In the same match. Austria and North Macedonia. Two teams versus one. That's how good England is. Well, yes. It's also more because of Austria and North Macedonia have had uh, mutual uh, COVID infections throughout their teams. Mm -hmm. Neither country is able to field an entire 11. So two countries are fielding six and five players together against the English national team. Um, it's very, very confusing and strange. It is going to happen. And I wanted to know your thoughts and feelings about the starting 11. Now, in my opinion, I think the best goalkeeper is Kieran Andrews because hmm. Kieran has a very strong long throw he can save balls to his left and to his right. He's great at penalties, and he has a great commanding figure at the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a really good point, Nigel, because as we all know, even though they're fielding five players from Austria and six from North Macedonia, um, they're actually fielding, both fielding their goalkeepers. Um, mm-hmm. So this has really been a, a source of contention between the two countries because even though they're uniting, they're trying to figure out who should be the, the goalkeeper. And I mean, I agree that Kieran Andrews is a great, great goalie, but I have to say that Hans Kruger, to me, really, I mean, he he is known in the in the FIFA world for being one of the best. 
Yeah, and I, I think Arthur Hand proved a great guy. <laughs> well, that's, that's the problem, right? Is that you've got this the Austria and North Macedonia teams coming together with two goalies, and they're trying to decide which goalie is going to be the goalie and which one's going to be out in the field. It's it's going to be rather amusing. But yeah, Kieran Andrews is a great goalie, but Hans Kruger, perhaps better in my mind. Yeah. And uh, your thoughts on uh, fullback, uh, Cindy? Um, yeah, I... Uh, on the I English team. With... Let's, let's talk about the English team because most of our fans are English. They're not Austrian. They're not North Macedonian. They're English. Let's talk about the English national men's team for once. I can do that. But just know that, you know, I'm carrying a little bit of bias here because I'm really rooting for the Canadian team. <laughs> That's... Um... Fine. The Canadian team aren't in the Euros, Cindy. What? <laughs> you know, that could be interesting because there are some... I do remember the South American uh, Copa America. They once had, like, Japan, you know, mm. just to fill up the numbers sort of thing because I think maybe Venezuela were in the middle of some sort of political coup and I was like, well, we need to have another country that can come in. So it could be possible oh. that Canada one day could be in the Euros. Yeah. Well, actually, the fact that Austria and North Macedonia are, are syncing up because of their COVID hotspotting, uh, there actually may be a last-minute spot opening. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't even know that they weren't there. So, you know, England is definitely my number two. Uh, so I will say that I'm really excited to see them progress uh, after they beat Croatia out or are beating Croatia out. <laughs> I'll have Nathan. I will have Nathan Booth and uh, I think Robert Church as my two fullbacks in the English team because I, they can run up and down the field yes. for days. They have, mm. They're just tons of energy. Unbelievable crossing from the byline and um, just great attitude, just great two-way players that can go forward and backward. Yes, the, 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 the position of fullback is, is, is you know, my mm -hmm. second favorite to the right wing. Uh, and I disagree only slightly because I want to see James Margden uh, in the fullback position. James Margden? But he's only mm -hmm. played four games in the Premier oh, League. He... Oh, he's been tearing up and coming. Oh. Mm -hmm. Have you seen how hard he kicked the ball into the right corner wing? I I did, yes. Yeah. So I mean, there is a very, got, very popular YouTube video. Everyone everyone he, has seen the got, James Modern kick. He got it right past the Austrian goalie, Agdami Gerard. Uh-huh. <laughs> he got it right past Agdami. He's a fantastic goalie. Yeah, he is. He in is. in our central of defense, now, mm -hmm. uh, ladies, I believe yeah. truly uh, Robert Harriman should oh. be on the right. Disagree. What, Strongly. Okay. Well, who do you think should be on the right? James Howard. James, oh, well, he's quite good Clearly. as well. There isn't much between James Howard and Robert <gasps> Harriman. Isn't much? Is you say that in a pub in North London and you'll lose a finger. Isn't much between the two of them. Blimey. All nice. Right, Watch right. your I'll, mouth. I'll let you have that. Where does, 
What about Cristiano Ronaldo? He well, plays for I mean, Portugal. Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, there was talk of him changing nationalities and moving on to the English team, if I remember rightly. I think he, he married he married a positive. He is from London. Well he married a, a Londoner, actually. Yeah. He married yeah, a Londoner and he's he's thinking of changing nationality. Cindy, have you met Cristiano Ronaldo? Yes. <laughs> and he told you he was from London. I could tell. Mm. You could tell that he told you that he was from London? Mm-hmm. You... <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. No, yeah, I could tell that he was from London because of his accent. Wait, has he been pretending to be Portuguese this whole time? No. Uh, I'm, I'm... All I know is that he's English. <gasps> okay. I, I think it's very possible you, uh, you were confronted by what we call in Britain a pickup artist. Oh. Who may have looked like Cristiano Ronaldo. What does that mean? Well, did you... Well, this is a football podcast. This isn't really a, a, a podcast that deals with adult thematic uh, things, but uh, did you end up right, spending can... time with Cristiano Ronaldo? No, absolutely. Only, like, a little. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, back to back to football. <laughs> back to football. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were talking about who should be in the center field. In the, the cent- yeah, in the center field. Um, yes. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, it could, it could. There are a number of options. There's uh, Leonard Husband. There mm. is uh, uh, Richard Wright Newton. There mm-hmm. is uh, Andrew Robertson, Christopher Race. Yeah, I want one who people often overlook is Jimmy McFowland. And actually, you know, J- Jimmy McFowland, I've seen him in quite a few matches actually, and I saw him kind of grow up from being, you know, playing in the juniors and then kind of moving through the, the different leagues in England. And honestly, I think. He's been maybe overlooked and would actually be a star player. I think Jimmy McFarland on the left or, or on the right would exactly. be a terrific idea. I mean, he's ambidextrous, so either left or right would work are you very amb- well. Are you ambidextrous, Cindy? I'm getting there. I'm working my way up. I'm getting my right hand stronger every day. Mm-hmm. Did you do exercises for that? Yeah, I do a lot of exercises for that. Actually, uh, when I go to the gym, I do my. I actually do double the calf raises on my right than my left. Mm. You do double the catchphrases. Yes. Okay. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's wonderful. Um, now, ladies. We we talked about how we believe that the European Championship is coming home to England. We talked about our starting eleven, more or less. We we're not fully fully in agreement, but we recognize the terrific talent coming through the the youth ranks for the three lions. 
I want to know if you have any thoughts and feelings or perhaps hopes for this European Championship, for football in general, for yourselves, any things that you'd like to share with the fans who could be listening from England, from elsewhere in the world, from Canada, perhaps the fans at FIFA. Um, anything that you'd like to share with our lovely audience? Yeah, I think um, for me, the most important thing, the biggest message I want to get out there is play safe. I want, what I mean by that is, you know, come to the stadiums, watch the game, get excited, but not too excited. Okay, let's reel it in, reel it back. Let's mm -hmm. not fall off, off the stands. Let's not, you know, Have go sex. mad. And, yeah, don't, don't start punching people. You know, let's, let's reel it in, but have fun. So let's have what I might call like, you know, kind of English not fun. organized fun. But yeah, like fun within a certain boundary, like a box. Let's have a box of fun and not go outside the box. Let's have fun like a Tory. Yes, exactly. Tory That's fun. It. Tory fun. And you, uh, Cindy Blasthole, anything that you'd like to share with uh, your fans or, or with anyone in general? Yeah, you know, I came into this podcast just wanting to, um, you know, really hit home that women can play soccer too. And 2021, come on. Uh, and I, I really just feel like my opinion shifted. And I want... Canadians to know you guys can be in the World Cup you guys can pull it together and really get your team on its goddamn feet if I can do this and I can become the captain of Canada's football team the country can put together a men's team and send them to the World Cup you know what I mean and I think that you know we've got a lot of great players here and we have a lot of potential and oh <laughs> And I and I just want to make sure that as a country we're not falling behind and we can really prove ourselves on the world stage. That's what I want to say. Come on, guys, get it together. Let's do it. So I, I have a question for you, actually, Cindy. Um, because you, you know we're obviously doing a football podcast, but you you guys call it soccer, am I right? Like in Canada, or that is correct. Yeah. That's, mm, yeah, that's funny. What's funny about that? Well, you know, FIFA. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not... It's not... CIFA. It's not FISA. FISA. That is, that is very correct. <laughs> and let me say that you sound very cute when you're being sarcastic with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's all, all part of the charm. Well, you're wonderful. Uh, you're wonderful, Nige. You're wonderful, Sarah. And thank you very much. You're and wonderful, Cindy. You're all wonderful. And you listeners are wonderful as well. Even you, everyone in Bedfordshire who throws beer bottles at me and won't let me back into the town because I missed a spot kick back in 1989. You're wonderful, hey, listen, too. You are a hero mm -hmm. in Ipswich. <laughs> For the wrong reasons, but, uh, you know, I appreciate it because if it wasn't for me, they would not have had their magical day. Yeah. Um, th 
thank you, everyone. Uh, we really hope that you're excited for the European Championships. We really hope that you're excited for uh, football. We really hope that you're excited. Oh, uh, maybe before we close, one last thing. Uh, Cindy, you told me that uh, you're a, you do uh, comedy at Montreal Improv. I do when I'm in town. What's that like? It's something I don't announce to people. Very well. But I love it. No, it's fantastic. It's got, it's got the best people. It's got the funniest people in the whole world. The very funniest, most smartest, amazing, hilarious people in the whole goddamn world. Funnier than anyone that's on TV. Uh, go see it. Nero is creating a new theater. Nero <laughs> is going to be running the best theater in the whole world. I think I read about that. I think I saw it uh, in in the international news, actually. It yes. came through. Uh, the Guardian did a cover of... Uh, of new cultural centers post COVID and Montreal Improv, they interviewed Nero uh, about it. So I'm really happy to hear, you know, that it's thriving and that you are a part of this, Cindy. Yeah, I, you know, I just cheer on Nero for this because he's, his name is going to be a household name in every, in every comedy loving family across the world. Jack, Benny and uh, Nero, the two mm -hmm. great That's comedians. Correct. Thank Absolutely. you very, thank you very much ladies and gentlemen thank you very much ladies the two great ladies Sarah J Jones apologies of FIFA not FISA but FIFA exactly and thank you very much Cindy Blasthole the number 10 for the Canadian women's national team right winger 36 goals and 13 assists in only 12 matches with numbers like that you have no doubt why she's going to be the next spokesperson for Coca-Cola. Thank you very much, and uh, enjoy the football, everyone. Listening to BBC Radio 4.